Hi, everyone. I'm Tish Conlon for another episode of Tish Talk. Today, I have Will Dove, uh, you know, aka Iron Will with me. Uh, Will has been um, absolutely front and center almost from the beginning with um, information during the COVID adventure. Um, he founded strongandfreecanada.org alongside his wife, Valerie, in the summer of 2020 in response to the unjust COVID mandates. It's since grown to become one of Canada's largest freedom organization, which is really impressive. In 2021, Will started doing interviews with experts. He's interviewed doctors, lawyers, scientists, whistleblowers, and many more to bring truth uh, that the mainstream, mainstream media, as we all know, most of us on this uh, channel will not and would not cover. And he's interviewed, you know, famous names like Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, Maxime Bernier, uh, which is wonderful, Preston Manning, Brian Peckford, and many, many more. Um, so check out his uh, website. He'll give you that. It's ironwillreport.com. And it's one of the fastest growing independent news sources in Canada. Wow. Congratulations, Will, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Very well, Tish. Thanks. And it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, mine as well. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to your work and your podcast. A uh, little bit of sanity um, at times, uh, listening to Common Sense. And at other times, when we get downloads of information that are just so far, so so far removed from what we know about technological and scientific capabilities used for, uh, you know, very ill purposes, evil purposes. We'll talk about some of these things today. But wow, I mean, it's been quite a journey. How did you get started with this? I'm sure the audience wants to know uh, from a regular life to the Iron Will Report. Well, the truth is that uh, if you had talked to me, you know, before all of this started and told me that I was going to become a political activist, an independent journalist, I would have said you were nuts. I had no interest <laughs> in politics. Um, and, and really, I have to give credit to my wife because we started our organization when shortly after when in Calgary, they imposed a mask mandate on August 1st of 2020. Now, I had known since the beginning of the narrative that it was all BS. And I, I can tell you later how I knew that. But when they started really infringing upon our rights, and, then, and it got to this mask thing, which was totally ludicrous. Absolutely. So my wife went online looking for where the demonstrations were in Calgary, and she couldn't find any. Wow. And I thought, well, okay, I, I, I've been a, I've been a web developer for years, so I was pretty internet savvy. I said, well, I'll find them. So I went looking. I couldn't find anything either. And we were both shocked. They, where are all the people who are standing up against these violations of their rights? And they just didn't seem to be there. And so I looked at that and I said, well, if nobody's doing anything, well, I can do something. So we, we started our first little organization, which was End Calgary Lockdown is all it was. And wow. but we did it with, with a difference. I built a petition on the site that when people filled in the petition, it was automatically emailed to politicians in their area. Wow, and that's that just, amazing. That grew. So within a few months, we'd gone province wide. It became End Alberta Lockdown. And then in the spring of 2021, we went nationwide. And it wasn't long after that before we became strongandfreecanada.org. And we are now, as to my knowledge, we are the largest freedom organization in the country. We have 30,000 people on our mailing list. There's many more we can reach through our partners. And we have a, a, an army of volunteers across the country that we can activate literally overnight. And that's what led to me becoming an independent journalist because I started looking at the narrative that was coming out and people were being lied to left, right, and center. 
And so I started doing interviews with the real experts. And I've always commented on this. You notice how they always said they were following the science, but they never tell us who these scientists are. Yes. <laughs> so I started interviewing people with real qualifications. Yes, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, uh, Dr. Richard Fleming, a whole long list of them. And from that, um, I started to sort of, as I'd said, when I started this, I, I was never a political person. Mm -hmm. But the more I got into the narrative, the more I realized we're being lied to about a lot of things. Oh, and yes. so ironrollreport.com goes way beyond the COVID narrative. We talk about just about everything that's going on from the transgender movement to critical race theory to government corruption, surveillance, just about everything. Wow. Yeah. You know what we, I mean, a slightly different path, but like you, I'd been an entrepreneur and small business owner my whole life and, you know, speaker and holistic coach. And I literally could not not do anything it was like I was driven I had to speak out which is why I as well joined the only party that made sense that was speaking out against the lockdowns and mandates PPC and ran in 91 and will run again because it takes a while to shift people away from that tribal type of voting I always vote for the blue team you know or I always vote for the red team to looking at what really is going on in your community, how it's declining, how all of these taxes are so unjust and unfair and fraudulent and, you know, getting people to take action. So um, that that's phenomenal um, that you and, guys and are doing is, that. As you said, it is growing. I recently yes. had the, the pleasure of interviewing Maxime in person. And in the, the, the first election that the PPC ran in, they got 1.6% of the popular vote. And the last one, despite not winning any seats, they got 5.7%. Yes, which is so that's, excellent. That's a phenomenal increase in one, you know, one, yeah. from one election to the next. Oh, so I, we can yeah. have high hopes that even if the PPC party, you know, never forms government, the influence that they will have as true conservatives will hopefully start to shift our country back to the right. Oh, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I have said this, that even though I haven't been paid a cent to do this, I think that the influence from the the brave and uh, the brave, I'd say, candidates of integrity that stood up to run, even though it was a hugely uphill battle, I think they have done more to shift our government towards integrity and in the right direction. I don't mean right or left. I mean, right versus wrong than anyone who's employed by the government currently, who's working, who's in parliament. And we know so many of them are WEF um, trained. Uh, I'm not going to say operatives because I think it's more brainwashing. They truly believe in all of this stuff. I've, I've seen it play out many, many times. But yes, I mean, I think everyone needs to get involved. I know I'm uh, helping Sean Buckley's team with um, the, the fight um, and the, le the legal battle ahead in, by delivering his uh, wonderful postcards to inform people about the overreach with Bill 47. But there are so many overreaches so many bills that are coming out that are so disturbing, censorship, gun rights. I mean, everything that you see happen when a totalitarian regime is trying to instill themselves, which is what exactly what we have for those who have eyes to see. Yes, um, and, and you're absolutely right. I recently did an interview with Sean Buckley on Bill C-47. Um, I was at a freedom meeting here in, in Alberta just last night, and there was representative there who also was handing out those postcards and talking about C-47. Um, so yeah, people are starting to get active. 
And, you know, it is making a difference. And there's been a lot of pushback against that C-47. And I, mm-hmm. we're fairly optimistic that at some point in time, it's going to get rescinded before they can actually start to do anything with it. Yes, I think so. And what I like about that as a, you know, as a strategist, like if I'm thinking like we're playing the game of risk or the game of life or Catan or how can you get back your government? It should be a game, right? Save your country (laughs) and then you have to activate. But this is a leverage point because not everyone understands or is interested in 15 minute cities. A lot of people will say, you know, when we go door to door with my team, oh, I'm not interested or that's conspiratorial or I don't see any evidence or I mean it sounds good to me or anything like that but when you talk about supplements 80% of the population takes supplements they can that's something common sense that they can feel they can see they can understand they don't like it so gets them motivated um so I like it I I go around uh often like right now I've got a whole about a thousand of them to deliver to get out as soon as possible with my group so yeah I mean there are leverage points we can use to help take our country back civilly uh, peacefully and within the law. I think yes. these, are, these things are all possible and it's it's a long road and that means running for you know local, provincial and national roles. But these are some of the obvious things about government. Some of the things that get really down further in the rabbit holes are things that w- maybe we start to read about as, you know, I don't know when you start to learn about some of the deeper things going on like the transhumanism agenda uh, which at, on surface appears really out there, really uh, conspiratorial, but the data is all there. The yes. websites are all showing it. I mean, the information is there in all of these hydrogels that are really gumming up our bodies and causing these massive clots. I listened to uh, Marie, uh, Maria Z, uh, her podcast with Dr. Anna Mihalsia or something like that, um, where she did a deep dive scientifically into the, what's in the blood now of people who took the injection and then even the people who didn't through the shedding. And there's all of this tech stuff that shouldn't be there. There's these nanos, nanotechnology, there's these uh, whatever they're called, those dots that are glowing. Um, and you can see these little, uh, like little worker ants, nano ants forming these clots. Um, it, she shows a video of it happening. These rubberized clots that nothing will dissolve that they're finding mm-hmm. in autopsies. And that, you know, once you take that in, it gets really disturbing. You have to really calm yourself down to take that in. You have to kind of step into faith to um, really connect with God so that you can protect yourself and your families. But yeah, I mean, a lot of this is in the food now. Um, it Certainly the, the biggest doses in injections, even dental injections. I would not go to the dentist right now or get a tooth pulled. And they said, the last thing she said is sadly, she analyzed the contents of insulin. So anyone who's, uh, you know, their life-threatening kidney, I mean, uh, disease, uh, diabetes, uh, type one disease, they are taking insulin and this is all in it. So they're starting to look at what's in all of these uh, big pharma products that we're taking and injecting into our body. So something, uh, you know, I don't know if you can comment on any of that stuff because people come to me all the time saying, get this out of my body. You know, as a detox coach, how do I get it out? I want it out right now. Um, And it's disturbing to see, she says, the clots are getting more prevalent, you know, as we see sudden deaths uh, happening. 
what what you what what have you learned on that topic? People are interested in that today. Well, that's an essay question, Tish. So <laughs> let's let's start with uh, an interesting piece of information about those clots and the extent they're going to to hide them. I did an interview a while back with uh, the uh, uh, the morticians, John O'Looney and Richard Hirschman, who both oh. appeared in the documentary. Um, Died sorry, suddenly. Thank you. The the name of the documentary was escaping me there, and. It was very interesting during that interview that both of them talked about how they would have these cadavers delivered, people who had you know died in the hospital, and when they get them because an autopsy had been done, the organs that, that were removed during the autopsy they're basically just in a bag in the in the chest cavity, and so they would open up these these organs, and what they were finding was that the hearts and the heart valves or heart uh, major blood vessels had all been cut open, and so. And, and of course, both of these gentlemen were one of the first to talk about finding these massive clots in people's bodies, but wherever they were finding them was in the long veins of the legs and the arms. And they weren't finding them in the, the organs of these cadavers that had been autopsied. And so I stopped them and I said, because they, they had, you know, been one, they were both wondering about you know, what, were they, what were they looking for? And I stopped mm -hmm. and I said, no, what were they taking out? Yes, that's what I was Before they sent thinking. them to you. Yeah, isn't that so disturbing that it gets to that level of nefariousness that they they're hiding the truth? Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. And then all I didn't the the know babies that. that were dying, and this was something that John O'Looney talked about, how they suddenly, while they were getting this massive increase in adults who were dying, you know, people under sixty-five, there was a, a huge drop in babies coming in. And there was, you know, John was wondering about this. And so he was at the hospital and there's a board there where they, they post the deaths and they post with, where the funeral home is. And he noticed that for all the babies, the funeral home was listed as the hospital. Oh, The so hospital was cremating the babies. And he said, there were vans that would show up at that hospital every day with six or seven dead babies. Oh. But nobody was hearing about it because of how they were hiding it. it. It is really, truly so disturbing. And, you know, and what is it, it's doubly concern, uh, concerning and disturbing that a lot of people just don't see it. So it's like, you know, the Black Mirror show or something. It, it's like people are not seeing what's going on and the level of malicious, evil um, activities is is really overwhelming. Now, wow, that's about, interesting. Talking about how it's accelerating, and it is. Uh, not long ago, I did an interview with um, uh, sort of Dr. William Mackus, and there's an interesting story I should tell your viewers, uh, but we'll get back to that one. Now, Dr. Mackus on his Substack, he's been tracking all of these died suddenly cases. He started with athletes, but he expanded to doctors and pilots and all this. And when I interviewed him in May, he said, despite the fact that uptake of the shots has gone way down, the death rate is actually accelerating. And I can explain why that is. And part of that explanation reveals that the people who created these shots knew they were making a bioweapon. There's no possible way they couldn't have known. So first, why is it accelerating even though uptake of the shots is going down? Well, the problem, as I'm sure some of your viewers know, is that those shots, what they're doing is they're recoding the mitochondrial DNA to turn them into spike protein factories. And as far as we know, it never stops. Their bodies will continue to produce these spike proteins for the rest of their lives. 
Now, the spike protein is toxic to the body, and it causes inflammation. Now, chronic inflammation will eventually cause cellular damage. Extensive cellular damage will eventually cause organ problems. And the layman's term for chronic organ problems is disease. Mm -hmm. So they're introducing a disease state. So even though you know, we've got these cases of people who die sometimes within minutes of the shots, people who die weeks or months later, um, Josh Sterling, who is the number one insurance analyst in the US, he recently crunched the numbers on this. And I'm sure most of your viewers are aware of the fact that the insurance company has been talking about this, a 40% yes. increase in deaths in adults under 65, where they've said a 10% increase would be something catastrophic. 40% wow. never been seen, never wow. been seen. And so, Edward Dowd talks about that as well. And yes. even chronic illnesses uh, with adults and they're, they're so not able to work. When Josh Sterling ran the numbers on that, what he came up with is that if you were 30 years old and you have four or five shots, your life expectancy is now 55. Wow. So the deaths are going to continue to accelerate because what they've done is they've created this chronic inflammation state that never goes away. And I know that this because I was a paramedic when I was younger. You don't need to have a whole lot of medical knowledge to know that if you introduce a state of chronic inflammation in the body, you will create disease. Right. You if you don't correct failure. it. It's going to happen. Right. And, but and unfortunately, you know it can't be corrected. It can be ameliorated to some degree for some of your viewers who are vaxxed. There are things you can do to reduce the impact. Uh, one of the best resources is to go to worldcouncilforhealth.org and they have a treatment plan there. Yes. Start and, and following I, it. Yes. And I interviewed Dr. Trozzi last week. I know he's one of your supporters as well. We had, we had a great discussion and he was offering up for those who missed that interview, you can check it out, but also things like natokinase to help with the clotting, uh, you know, uh, intravenous vitamin C, intermittent fasting, quercetin, NAC, you know, there's a whole host of things that you probably have to take for the rest of your life. Um, and isn't that funny that now they're putting this attack on natural supplements, all the things that will be, you know, that some people will need to take to save their lives, bromelain, things like that. Yes, um, yes. But wow, it's quite disturbing to see, to hear that. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to take it in. But then your neighbors pass away. My neighbor passed away suddenly. Three of my neighbors did. And all of these rapid turbo cancers that um, we're, we're hearing about. And a lot of the people who are telling you about them don't put two and two together. Because, you know, if they're, if they're if they can't see, they're just telling you. And it's just like another person's got rapid cancer died suddenly. Yes. Um, and I was going to tell you a story about Dr. Macus that's very relevant to those turbo cancers. Now, for those of your viewers who don't know, Dr. William Marcus was one of the top cancer researchers in Canada. He was working at the University of Edmonton's hospital, and he was in charge of this program. And, and to give you an idea of just how qualified he is, his salary was $60,000 a month to run this program. But he came up with an absolutely brilliant treatment. It's an injectable isotope, but wow. it only binds to cancer cells. So what's happening is, is you inject this, it goes through the body, only binds to the cancer cells. Now, the radiation from this isotope only has a range of about two cells. Wow, that's amazing. So it, it kills the cancer cells without causing damage to the healthy cells around it. And he was taking people who had stage four cancer, where you know they'd given up, mm -hmm. and he was curing them in four shots. Wow. Spaced, spaced about you know, three weeks apart. 
Wow. Yeah. I didn't know here's that. The, I'd love to have him on the show. Boy, that's amazing. Oh, but here's, here's the real story. So Trudeau wins the election in 2015. Mm-hmm. A month later, with no reason given, they dismiss Dr. Marcus, tell him to go home. We're going to keep paying you your salary because they had no grounds for dismissal. They dismantled the program. Currently in Vancouver, the government is building a multi-million dollar, multi-story, multi-block facility to treat foreign dignitaries for cancer using Dr. Marcus treatment. Wow. And when I interviewed Dr. Marcus, and he's you know been through lawsuits about this, once again, you know, he was still puzzled. Well, why did they do this? Mm-hmm. And so I said to him, Well, Justin Trudeau is a graduate of the WEF's five-year Young Global Leaders Indoctrination Program. Mm-hmm. This happens a month after he's elected. So do you think just maybe he knew there was something coming that was going to cause a massive increase in cancer? Oh, wow. That is a, that's a truth bomb dropped right there. Yes. I can't prove that, but it certainly seems logical, doesn't it? Yes. No explanation given for his dismissal. They dismantled the program. Now the government's selling it for half a million dollars a pop to foreign dignitaries. Not for Canadians. It all happens under Trudeau's watch. And can not for Canadians, just foreign dignitaries. As far as I know. Wow. Now, I mean, you, I follow Dr. Macus on, you know, I guess X, formerly Twitter, because I really admire, I mean, obviously the man's been persecuted. He's awake now to the agenda and he has really taken it on himself to research the died suddenly. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I try to, I try to look at each one to honor each, each victim who's been murdered by these um, bioweapons. It's uh, it's horrific. Some people don't want to look at it, but we have to honor the those who've been harmed as well. So yeah, the, what a man. That's really fascinating. I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, there. I mean, the thing is, there's so many ways to cure disease. Um, and what we know for sure now is they nearly never wanted us to be cured of anything. Uh, extend no, the sickness. Uh, you know, to to milk us for every dime we have with toxic drugs that make us sicker or make us psychotic, you know, or put us in in further pain and suffering um, and deny us a lot of these holistic natural remedies that I've been researching. That's one of the gifts of all of the, all of the horrors I've experienced since I stepped out and, and started speaking out and all the slandering and censorship and horrific treatment and friends who've gone away is that you really start to learn about how strong the body is and all of these uh, uh, natural uh, abilities to heal, which I, I think is, is, is really a silver lining. And I, I do believe in the power of prayer now. I mean, I always have, but more than ever, if you've taken the shot, pray, as what I tell people, pray, pray, pray to God to help get this out of you. Cause it's, it's really, no one's consented to this. There has been no consent. I know I interviewed um, Ted Kunst of Vaccine Choice Canada a few weeks ago, and he said that really not just COVID before that, there really hasn't been informed consent in Canada for decades. They no, took it away. No, and, and nor, nor has there been any real testing on vaccines. People should yeah. read the excellent book, Turtles All the Way Down. Yes, I gave that to my daughter. <laughs> they, they, they've never actually tested vaccines. No. None of them. Not, not by going all the way back to the polio vaccines. There was no actual testing done. No. It's a and this fraud. has been going on. 
ever since. And it's because, of course, the pharmaceutical companies and the healthcare industry have, as you said, no interest in curing people. What they want is repeat customers. Mm-hmm. And how better so to get them if you harm people, them? Yeah, yeah, they're interested in keeping people sick. Exactly. And they, give, they, they put them on a drug for whatever they're sick from. The drug has a half a dozen side effects for which they have to take three other drugs. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember going to my doctor a while ago, reluctantly, because my youngest uh, is not awake and uh, wanted to go, wanted to go, didn't want my quackery. And the doctor looked at us and then she looked at him. She knew where I stood on things because I wouldn't even let him go into the room alone. And she said, is anyone in this family on any drugs? And he said, nope. Does anyone have any illnesses? No. And she's like, she's like starting to get the message because I'd given her the books, Turtles All the Way Down, along with several notices of liability. But, you know, some of them are starting to think a little bit, but uh, we can hope. We can yeah, hope. I, I, I won't go to my doctor anymore. No, she's I don't want all to. this crap and there's you know not a chance. Yeah. Now, fortunately, I, I'm an excellent health and don't need a doctor. So, yes. I, I only go in to really deliver, a, you know, either a notice of liability or information if I have to. But yeah, I mean, what happened when uh, I think it was under Reagan that they introduced the Vaccine Safety Act or something like that, where they took away the liability, whenever that was, it was under Reagan's um, administration. I think he was coerced into doing that. Once they didn't have any liability for their product, we really went down that dark hole and you saw the rapid increase of autoimmune disease, ADD, ADHD. I know Steve Kirsch has identified a sudden infant death syndrome as being absolutely correlated with uh, these injections into babies. All of these things have happened and look how many decades it's taken where people now are starting to see. It used to be it like uh, you were so uh, um, slandered and labeled if you spoke against these so-called injections, that word vaccines like sorcery, it's like some sort of magic spell they put on you. And if you spoke against it, you were like some like hateful, dirty leper, you know, now people are starting to see, uh, you know, you must see as well in, in numbers that are significant. Uh, um, not more just significant. Yes. Um, in addition to my interviews, I do a weekly news report. It comes out every Friday. Tomorrow's yeah. report, there's a story in there where the CDC released numbers. And of course, mainstream media completely ignored this. They released a study that shows that since the vaccine rollout, at least 120,000 children in the U.S. have died suddenly. Oh, my. Wow. I mean, what do you think are the real numbers of deaths? Because people like my neighbor, um, you know, may rest in peace, Mike, he died suddenly of cancer. And just at the end of his life, I think he started to believe me because he had called me an anti-vaxxer and an anti-masker, never, though, with contempt. Um, but he did use those words, very derogatory. Um, but I always kept loving him. I heard he is my neighbor. And we kept our uh, positive relationship going. And at the end, as he developed suddenly this rapid turbo cancer, I think he started to wake up. But uh, he didn't realize it's, I, he may have realized it's from the shot at the end, but so many of these deaths have been cl classified as cancer that are from the shot. What do you think the real number is worldwide of actual deaths from this injection? According to experts that I have interviewed, at the very least, 20 million. Okay. And, and I've conservative. Heard, yeah, that's I've conservative. heard far more. And that like, doesn't count the cancers. Yes, that's what I mean. That's I've just, heard, yeah. 
the people who died directly from the shots. Right. But what about the can't include Because it's from the shot. It's it's poisoning their body. What would you I mean, I've talked to even Dr. Robert O'Young says it's over a billion is what he said. He said we'll die. But hundreds of millions have died from um, complications related to I guess we don't what's hard to know a fast. Yeah, we, we really don't know. We don't have numbers. But I would be shocked if the, the cancer deaths are not well in excess of that 20 million. Yes. Absolutely. So yeah, you're looking at over 40 million minimum to date. Yes. And yeah. it's, going to, it's going to keep accelerating. Right. And we know that the globalists have a stated objective of reducing the global population by 90%. Yes. Now in the George Stone Guidestones, which have been taken out, that's where they wrote it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, for people who don't understand, there is this group of uh, elites um, and they are people, uh, psychopaths, they're, they're people who really don't have a soul or don't really have the same sort of compassion, normal empathy that other human beings have. Or, um, and they really do have a satanic uh, agenda. They do actually want, are, are perpetrating a fight with God. People don't see, but it's playing out even with Maui. What happened there? Some people are saying it's child sacrifice because they're over, they, they're saying it could be up to a thousand children burned alive in their homes and they just kept them out of school. Um, mm -hmm. they, there was no fire alarm and the fire department stepped down, all these fishy things. And the nature of the fire was so suspicious, the type of blaze, people calling yeah. it a direct energy weapon on some shows, who knows, but the net result, it's so fishy. And now these uh, vulture developers are, are are going and trying to buy up this beautiful Maui land. And the governor there, or whoever's the, I think his name, last name's Green, um, wants to turn it into a 15 minute island. So wants to do a sustainability island. Lots of fishy things there, you know, even if you don't understand that there could be a real evil agenda. The whole thing around the 15-minute city and this this uh, fraudulent, fraudulent climate agenda with Agenda 2030 is playing out there huge. They want to yes. have that whole island for either the elite or, you know, I was listening to someone say they can't, they don't even grow food there. This is like perfect weather for growing food and they import most of their food that when you have people totally dependent on external sources for food, you can control them much easier. Oh, yes. Yes. And, you know, everybody knows about all of the food processing plants, especially in the U.S. that have, have been burned as a result of arson. And, you know, they keep writing it off as accidents. But there's something very fishy about that. Almost 200 facilities have been destroyed. And yet not a single life was lost because nobody was there at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the likelihood of that? Mm -hmm. And then you talk about the fires. And here in Canada, we have just loads of proof that these fires are all being started mm -hmm. uh, intentionally. You know, here's some statistics for you. Vancouver Island so far this year has had 38 forest fires. Would you like to know what the average number is in a regular year? What? Two. R really, yeah. And then there's the video that, and this was in one of my news reports, uh, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, that somebody in Ontario had, and it was, uh, it was a satellite image that showed about 20 fires in Quebec, all starting over a, a large area at exactly the same time. I saw that. That is worth watching. Yes, 
that's really disturbing. And, you know, then what all these municipalities are doing is they're declaring a climate emergency, right? And this is just... Um, this is just their perfect fodder. They create the problem. So then they have the solution ready. That's how they do it every single time with everything. They create the bioweapon, the COVID, and then they have the solution. These vaccines, both are horribly bad. Now they're they're moving towards the uh, sustainability agenda or the 15-minute city agenda uh, in response to the climate emergency and further taxes on the air that we breathe. That's beneficial for all life and plant light, and particularly for growing food, carbon. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, well, this this is why Bill Gates, I believe, he now owns. I I can't remember the exact figures. I'm not going to try to say it, but a, a huge amount of the farmland in the U.S. Mm-hmm. He owns, you know, vast interests in manufactured food. Mm-hmm. And what they're trying to do is to get people off of healthy natural food of and on manufactured foods that will make them sick. Yes, absolutely. I know, um, you know, I've, I've written books and I was a holistic nutritionist. I wrote my first book, The ABCs of Food, where I tackled the incredible corruption in the food sector. And I touched on Big Pharma a little bit. My late husband uh, sadly developed rheumatoid arthritis and then all the drugs that they put him on. And I fought to, to get him off, but his own cousin was his doctor so wouldn't listen to me just a lowly nutritionist but it, i think it just killed him he was murdered by all of that stuff but the food is so was so toxic with gmos and you could see the fraudulent data on yields because i would go to these conferences and just like the doctors today the scientists were so impassioned because they're trying to get the truth out and they're being slandered and silenced and you know told they're quacks but the data is so obvious on the cancers it's causing this these uh roundup ready crops and the glyphosate on these rats they'd show big tumors and then they'd also prove like definitively that it did not increase yields in fact it yields uh became less you might have like one or two years most where you did get a, a greater yield and then after that because the plants are sickly you know yes. they've been they've been screwed with just like our bodies so they're sickly they don't keep they don't perform well these seeds so the whole thing again is a giant lie and again it's such sick food that even putin he banned all gmo fo- foods from russia he buried them all you know he even banned microwaves because he understood microwaves are just uh killing all the nutrition in our food i got rid of my microwave um, a couple of years ago, because you don't really don't need that. You know, um, you don't need all these so-called conveniences are designed to make you sick once you realize that, um, yes. you and know, you don't even so- need the GMOs in the food to make you sick. And I'm, I'm not debating that they're there. Yes. But even before they started doing that, you can't go to the grocery store and buy a manufactured food that does not contain sugar and refined flour. And sugar is one of the most toxic substances known to the human body. And refined flour, well, your body turns that into sugar within minutes. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, sugar consumption. Yeah. Packaged foods, they're toxic. Oh, yes. I mean, Michael Pollan had a a couple of good books, but one of them was just recommending going around the perimeter of your grocery store, get as as few ingredients as possible. And although they've condemned organic food, they do this, of course, uh, on purpose. That's probably what they buy. They say, oh, there's no difference. It is worth buying it if you can afford it or grow your own. Like, 
I have a very small backyard, but I was able to, through, by the use of electroculture, which I've been learning about, I had the world expert on my show. You might like him on your show. This mm-hmm. uh, it's a French gentleman. Wow. You can, you can through like just tapping into the ether, the energetic field that is, is actually there that Tesla spoke about, Nikolai Tesla, that exists in our atmosphere. It's not, we're not mechanical, chemical beings. We're electromagnetic. You can tap into this energy and you can get great yields. You can greatly in- increase your yields with different types of uh, like copper, for example, and, and uh, galvanized steel. So I've got like a pretty good bumper crop of, you know, about 20 odd vegetables. So I'm pretty pleased with that this year. <laughs> well, I'll have to let my wife know about that. She's a She's a farm girl and, and she tries every year to grow a garden in our backyard, but our soil here is pretty much all clay. Oh, you just, really? You can't grow anything in it. And it's oh. so bad that a few years ago, I as a present, I bought her three yards of good topsoil. Oh, good. Yeah. So that year, it was it was decent, but mm. it the clay gets into the soil. Yo. So by the following year, we were right back where we started. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I will send you that podcast if I remember. I'll make a note to myself. Yeah, I mean, I've been building my backyard, my tiny tiny backyard. I buy like a whole bunch of uh, organic soil every year and I'm building up my, you know, building up my beds and some of it's let nature take its course. But yeah, I'll send you that episode because yeah, we do have options when it comes to what we put in our body to a certain extent. Um, But yeah, you can't deny that what we're up against is massive. I mean, the, the food, I watched a video that made me truly sick about the parasites in the food. Um, and I learned as well that they people and all of these people don't think no one's thinking critically. So what they did is they stopped deworming animals like t- they, they was across the board, like a, a rule two weeks before they pro- process them um, for for some benign reason. And everyone listened. And what they really wanted was when they process this meat, it would be full of parasites so yeah. most of the meat we're eating is full of parasites. So I advocate, I've told people this occasionally, but if you didn't hear any of this or didn't listen to that podcast, you really need a parasite cleanse monthly. Your pets, yourself, all of your family members, um, because they are, they're building up in your body and they cause all sorts of symptoms like cancer. And I know Dr. Um, Lee Merritt had a great video out on uh, using antiparasitics to get rid of cancer and how that's been hidden from us as well. A lot of uh, products like ivermectin, fenbendazole can actually get rid of cancer because her theory is that a lot of them aren't cancerous growths, they're actually parasite sacs. So that's, you know, kind of gross. But, you know, if you face all this stuff and you take action, I believe there are remedies for people who want to uh, live and be healthy and help to build a better future because we don't want this as our future indefinitely. Once I've learned how evil and corrupt it is in all modules, I I want it to crash. Like, do you, you know, you hear about the financial crash, you know, what's happening in education. There's the uh, millions marching against the, the woke indoctrination of our kids and the sexual grooming and the um, horrific pornography in their libraries. So, I mean, all of these pillars are just crumbling right now. Uh, what do you see happening over the next few months or maybe even a little longer in the next year? Well, I'm going to go even further than that, Tish. Um, you know, they call it Agenda 2030 for a reason. And one thing that we do have to remember is that while the globalists are undeniably evil, 
they're not stupid. They planned all of this very meticulously. Mm -hmm. And I've said to people, we'll know, we'll really know we're winning when they start throwing each other under the bus. Yes. That hasn't started happening yet. Um, I mean, unless you want to count Fauci, but really he's just running for the hills to try to avoid um, litigation for everything he's done. Um, So this is going to go on for a really long time. You know, the next major attack is probably going to come in 2025. And I have reasons why I believe that. And of course, there's the whole climate narrative, the 15 minute cities. Um, We've got Klaus Schwab himself saying that the next major crisis is going to be cybersecurity. And you know, we, we keep seeing stories of banks and, and large corporations being, quote, hacked. Um, <clears throat> I did a story last week on how the, they're now able to, a, a researcher at uh, IBM was able to fool chat GPT into providing false information that would allow uh, someone to access their, their private information. Wow. By telling that just just by telling, and this is just regular chat GPT by telling it that it was playing a game and that these were the objectives of the game. Now we've got to worry about quantum computing, which right now, fortunately, is too primitive to do this. But I watched a video on this just the other day that says possibly within five years, quantum computing will have advanced to the point where all of this 256, even 512 bit encryption we have now that just basically can't be broken with the computers we have now. A quantum computer could hack that in hours. Wow, I know. Our information is not safe. doesn't matter what you do. There's probably going to come a point where somebody's going to get a hold of it. And they're going to use all of this against us. But I want to give people a message of hope. Mm -hmm. Because I have, one of the lessons I taught my children is don't pick fights you can't win. Well, I've dedicated the last three years of my life to this fight. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to continue fighting because I'm absolutely convinced we will win. Me and I'm too. going to tell you why. Tyrants gain power through fear. I married a history major. I've read a lot of history myself. Mm-hmm. You go back and you look at the history of tyrants, and they always do the same thing. It's like there's this playbook. Specifically, fear of loss. Loss of life, loss of health, loss of income, loss of liberty, and loss of social acceptance. And don't ever underestimate that last one. Mm-hmm. People will go to extreme extents to avoid being ejected from the herd. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw that. Yeah. But to make the fear real, they actually have to take things from people. And as soon as they take something from someone, that person no longer fears losing it. You can't fear losing what you don't have. And so now they have to take something else and something else and something else until there's nothing left to take. Mm-hmm. And history will show us that even the most cowardly people, when they realize they have nothing left to lose, They'll stop being afraid, they'll get angry, and they'll fight back. Well, the tyrants are going to do themselves in. That's great to hear. I mean, I've interviewed a number of expat Canadians who've left, um, who said to me, you know, quite bluntly, Canada's got no fight. You know, I left, they're so apathetic. They don't stand up for themselves. Do you think there'll come a point where, um, you know, a large number of people do stand up? Because... You see people either they're, you know, the, we are naive as a people. We've kind of been accepting and trusting of our government. And now people grumble, but they don't take action. There's a lot of apathy. Um, you know, we've had a, a pretty decent life. We haven't struggled too much. We haven't waited in long six-hour lines for just a loaf of bread. You know, like interviewing Arthur Pazlowski, like the communist um 
the, the horrific hardships of communism. Um, so, I mean, I hope that you're right on people standing up uh, because a lot of people in the freedom movement have given up, like yourself and myself, income, um, time, you know, massive amounts of pushback to, to take on this fight. And I'm going to continue to. I'm a fighter. But there's not, you know, I hear constantly within the freedom movement how people are burnt out. People are struggling financially. So if we don't get fresh legs, um, you know, that'll be tough. So we definitely need fresh legs. So I'm hopeful that what you say is going to play out to be true, that people will start getting involved. And there are a million ways to get involved. I can outline, you know, like 25 in less than two minutes, probably, you know. <laughs> well, that, that's another essay question, Tish. So I'm going to start by saying it's already happening, mm -hmm. uh, possibly more so in the West. And I think especially in Alberta. Yes. And in Alberta, I'm, I'm able to get a front row seat to this. Good. Danielle Smith, who is very much on our side, she is a conservative. She is yes. working to protect the people against what's coming. And she knows what's coming. Now, she's yes. a politician and she has to be careful what she says publicly. And so I know other Albertans who are conservatives who are suspicious of her. I don't know her well but I do know her to some extent. And I'll tell you, she's the real deal. I think so she's, too. She's really yeah. working to protect us here. So the important story here though, is that Danielle Smith didn't really get elected on her own. There's a man named David Parker who formed an organization called Take Back Alberta. Mm. And Take Back Alberta got involved politically on the inside. They really? were the ones who got the treasonous Jason Kenney removed. Oh, they were the ones wow. who got Danielle Smith nominated in his place wow and they were the driving force behind the election that saw her win a majority even though they tried to rig the election in favor of the ndp yes oh thank god that rachel notley didn't get in that would have been a disaster oh, for the whole country i alberta was down on my knees praying alberta would have instantly gone from the freest province to the most tyrannical province yes that's, absolutely. That's we're talking about a woman here who openly spoke about going door to door to force vaccinate people i i heard that i know yes. it was yeah thank god for daniel smith and i agree because she she may even get like threats to her family and there's only so far she can push because she's got to uh she's got to move people in a direction slowly um, and but also she's, protect us so yeah, i think she she's does. doing a great job yeah but she she's already passed a law making it illegal to force children in school to wear masks. So oh, if they try excellent. that again, yes, we have that protection for our children. Oh, wow. She's come right out just this past week and said that she is not cooperating with uh, the green movement from Ottawa. Yes, she, I heard not, that. We're not shutting down our energy industry, basically is what she said. We're not doing it. I saw, I heard that. Excellent. Yeah. Um, she's, she's trying to get the RCMP. One of her plans is to get the RCMP removed from Alberta and replaced with a provincial police force. And this is incredibly smart on her part. It is part of the people who are advising her because one of the first things she did as soon as she got elected was she passed the Alberta sovereignty act. Mm -hmm. and it's very similar uh, to Scott Moe's uh, Saskatchewan first act in Saskatchewan next door. Now, what are these acts for Canadians mistakenly believe that constitutionally, our country centralizes power. Whereas in the US, we know that the states have a great deal of autonomy, but that's actually incorrect. Our constitution that way is very similar to theirs. Mm -hmm. What's been happening over the last 30 years is that the provinces have been voluntarily giving up power to the federal government in return for money. No, really? Okay, interesting. So what the Alberta Sovereignty Act and the Saskatchewan First Act were was really just a public declaration that those provinces are taking back 
their sovereign right to self-rule. Which means, and, and this is why this is important, because under the Constitution, the federal government can unilaterally pass a law which applies to all Canadians. However, if the province did not have a hand in the making of that law, they are not required to enforce it. Wow, that is so fantastic. Put two and two together. Yes. You get rid of you get the Alberta Sovereignty Act and the Saskatchewan First Act. And I'm really hoping we're going to see other provinces doing something the same. Mm-hmm. Saying we're taking back our sovereignty, our right to self-rule. Then you get rid of the RCMP. And what enforcement does the federal government have in your province? None. I, None. I love it. Yes. I might Without be. Without challenging the you. Constitution. Yes. You just removed Ottawa's power. Yes, it's it's fantastic. And I'm I don't have any high hopes for Ontario under um, you know, trader that we have. Um yeah. He, he, Doug Ford has done so many dastardly deeds and allowed for the worst lockdowns in the world in Ontario. He's responsible for so many youth deaths. I've interviewed people, parents on my, on my show whose their children went to university and committed suicide because of how harsh these horrible lockdowns were and these mandates, not, not to mention making them inject themselves with experimental products. So, I mean, what a catastrophe, but that's a little beacon of hope for Canada. Yes. And she, she wasn't a conservative. She came from a reform party, you know, United in turn, which they turned into the United Conservatives. So I, I do believe in reform and that's why, you know, Preston Manning came into Canada at a time when the conservatives weren't doing their job. And I think we see similarities here in history where PPC has come along when the conservatives have really become liberal uh, in policy almost, almost entirely. And although people like to tout Poliev, really he's been in, uh, parliament for over 20 years it's the only job he's had what has he accomplished he's done nothing um and he's he's willingly gone along with all of these mandates and lockdowns with the green agenda with money going to ukraine um really doesn't seem to get the real uh the real agenda very much at all so um i really hope that we can get um some reform-minded ppc candidates in that federally as well which will help i mean you get people in provincially like daniel smith good leaders and then get people at the local level as well taking over trustee positions and council positions and then get a few people in federally i think we don't need a ton of people People with a strong voice uh, who are speaking the truth, who stand for what's right for Canada, I think that would make a difference. Now, what's the name of the premier? I always forget his name. Is it Higgs in New Brunswick, who also took a strong stand for the children on these uh, use of pronouns with this trans, um, you know, the, the trans agenda. And I really admire him. He took a strong stand to protect the parents' rights. Uh, mm-hmm. And although it seemed like such a small step for people who understand how evil this agenda is, it was very important. And he was willing to go uh, into an election um, to because to, he wasn't going to back down. Um, yes. So I think Blaine Higgs is his name. So we're getting yeah, a little... So. Yeah, little pockets. Um, um, so yeah, I mean that is that is good news. But uh, so you think this is going to be a long, slow, drawn out um, decline, and 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 then getting people to fight as more and more is taken away. That's your perspective on the next few years. Yes, um, you have to really understand the globalist strategy and the psychology of it. 
it's been said of, of war that it's it's long periods of boredom punctuated with moments of sheer terror. Mm -hmm. Yes. The globalists do understand human psychology. And oh, yes. They understand that the human brain cannot remain in a fear state for more than about two years. That's about the maximum. Before the amygdala just basically gets tired and it stops producing the hormones that create that fear state. Now, there's evidence that the spike proteins and the shots are actually enhancing that effect, making people more susceptible to fear and anger and base emotions and dampening the use of the cerebral cortex. But the fact remains that that's just human physiology, that we just can't stay that way. And so, and, and this is all based upon um, a study that was done by a sociologist back in the 50s on how foreign governments would extract false confessions from prisoners of war. And so one of the things that they would do is they would, they would subject them to fear and then they would give them a break mm -hmm. and then they hit them again. So I said before, that I think the next attack is coming in 2025. So let me explain how I believe that. Well, first we've got the amendments to the international health regulations that are going to be ratified next year. Yes. And this is, please folks don't think I in any way respect or admire these globalists. These are all people who, in my very blunt opinion, need to be lined up against a concrete wall and shot, but they're not stupid. So what they're doing here is, is they're taking those breaks, but what they've done with this international health regulation is, you know, the last time we had mandates, well, we could theoretically go after our government for doing it. But since Canada signed on to this international health treaty, mm -hmm. well, the next time they do all these lockdowns, our politicians, assuming that we haven't replaced Trudeau and his funkies by then, are going to enact all of that. And then they're going to throw their hands up and say, well, it's not us. We have to follow the international health regulations. And now if you want to go after the perpetrators, you need an international criminal court. Oh, it's very disturbing. I've, I've interviewed James Raguski. He's coming back on the show in, um, like in a few weeks to, to give a full update. And I've posted uh, some of the action, like some the three paths that they're following on my LinkedIn profile. He has a great poster. I don't know if you have it. But yes. people need to get involved. And people are. I mean, I think I got over uh, like 150 shares and, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Yes. So people are uh, people understand that really this is um, our role is to be independent journalists and, and, and not necessarily in the capacity you are. But because we don't have honest uh, media of integrity, it's up to us. To, to be that person who's uh, forwarding things before they get, you know, shut down or you get censored or canceled or taken down off the internet. So it's funny when you post something and you have a lot of like-minded people on LinkedIn now, for some reason, the site is, is uh, allowing a lot of truth to flow. So you get, you get quickly many, many people sharing it, which I, I really heartening. But yeah, I mean, this is this is disturbing if we don't um, fight back or, or get out of that. Yeah, that if that takes effect next year, what will we be able to travel? So, um, and let, let me let me finish where I was going with that. And by the way, I'm in regular contact with James, and yes, we we share some of his stuff too. Oh, uh, oh, excellent! And James is doing great work. He really is. He is. He is. So yeah. we have, but we have to add a few more points to this case that I'm building for when this next attack is coming. Okay. Now, Everybody knows about event 201 that happened in late 2019. And that, of course, was in part sponsored by Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. Folks, listen closely to everything Gates says. The man is a megalomaniac 
And he wants the world to see him as a prophet and a savior. And so he tends to broadcast the globalist intentions. He tells in advance what they're going to do. So he had this uh, epidemic preparedness exercise that was done just about six months ago. Mm -hmm. And he came right out in that exercise. And he said, the next pandemic is going to be in 2025. Now think about this chain of events, 2024, the international health regulations amendments come into play, which gives the WHO basically dictatorial power over health measures in Mm -hmm. every signed on country. And that's just about every country in the world. Right. Then you have another pandemic come along conveniently very shortly after that, which, as I said, our politicians will just go along with whatever the WHO says and says, well, you can't sue us because it's not us doing it. Now, add to this the fact that we've now had two cases here in Canada on the travel bans that have been dismissed by the federal courts as being moot because they say, well, the travel bans aren't in effect anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I tell people is this is somewhat akin to ruling an assault case moot because the assault's not going on anymore. Mm-hmm. The courts aren't there to determine whether or not a crime is in progress, they're there to determine whether or not a crime happened. So, why are they refusing? To rule over these cases? Well, the obvious answer is because they're planning to do it again. Yes, absolutely. So you start adding up all of these little pieces of evidence. And my prediction is that the next pandemic attack is going to be late 2024 or sometime in 2025. And this time, we're going to have these WHO tyrants dictating to the world. Well, I hope that we can overturn it before then. That's my hope. That's why we're pushing so hard now. Yes. I mean, what do you think on the financial side? I think we're going to have a, f- a financial uh, nightmare sooner than that before any sort of 2025. And I think it's just ready to pop uh, very soon. Yeah, I, I'm a contrarian on that one. You're right. We are headed towards a financial disaster, but I don't think it's going to happen for years yet. And here's why. Years. Really? Yes. Here's why. So um, I've also been speaking with Brett Oland, who's the CEO of Bow Valley Credit Union here in Alberta. And he is very much on our side, completely awake, knows exactly what's going on. Now, Bow Valley Credit Union is doing some really interesting things. First of all, they're the only uh, bank in Canada that backs deposits, at least in part with gold. Oh, wow. Really? The second thing that Bow Valley Credit Union does not do is they do not practice what is called open banking. And open banking has become endemic. Just about every bank in the world is signed on with open banking. And what that is, is third-party apps can automatically um, get information from your accounts. And people do this voluntarily. We're talking about accounting apps like Intuit, right? where you can set them up and you can give them access to your account. Bow Valley Credit Union doesn't allow that. Excellent. They have no backdoors into their accounts. Wow, that's fantastic. You can't access them. Okay. Can you so, open an account out of province? Just I'm unfortunately, you, my... unfortunately, you cannot. But <laughs> I have an interview coming up with Brett, and the intent of that interview is going to be provide a roadmap to treasure to treasury branches in you know credit unions in other provinces on oh. how do you do this? Excellent. Because we need this kind of thing across Canada where people can protect their money and their privacy. Yes. yes. Now, Brett, he he's also. Um, He's got a degree in commerce of some kind. And I'm afraid I'm, I'm poorly educated in commerce myself. So I couldn't tell you exactly what it is, but he's of the opinion. I had a long conversation with him a few months back that they can't actually make these CBTs work, at least right. not for a long time. 
And it has to do with transferring money in between banks. Mm -hmm. And what that's called is called a rails system. And, you know, for example, why does it take, if you write a large check and you give it to somebody else and they deposit it in their bank, why does it take a week for it to clear? Mm -hmm. It's not anything nefarious. What it is, is that the banks don't do, you know, even if it's a a $50,000 check, well, they don't just send that over through their rails system. I mean, to $50,000 to a commercial bank, that's pocket change. They're not going to bother with that. So what they do is, is first of all, they put a whole bunch of transactions into one transfer. Mm-hmm. So it has to go into Ledger. the queue. Yes. And yes. then they have to run security on everything to make sure that the money is there, to make sure that it's you know a legal account, to make sure that the money is going to be there when the other bank deposits in their accounts. And this is why it takes a week to move a large check. And that's a Rails system. For CBDCs, or, or that too. I mean, it's, yeah. there's various names for it. So CBDCs would require that every bank in the world, and they want all the banks on board with this, have a common Rails system that would allow them to do those transfers on the back end. Mm-hmm. Now, here's why Brett doesn't think they can do it. Bow Valley Credit Union, along with seven other credit unions in the Prairie provinces, have been working for the past eight years at the cost of a quarter billion dollars to try to create a rail system just for those eight credit unions to be able to instantly transfer money back and forth. And so far, they haven't been able to do it. Really? How come? It's technologically, it's extremely difficult because everybody has to sign on to exactly the same technology, the exact okay. same encryptions. It's a real technical challenge. It's very difficult to do this. And so, and I'm not saying it couldn't ever be done. For example, quantum computing might make it possible. That's what I've heard. I've read on this. Right. Before that's going to be complex enough to handle this. And the globalists have a vested interest in keeping the current system running until they can actually replace it with the new system. Mm -hmm. And so I believe we actually have time on this. Now, that doesn't mean that people should just go on with life as normal. You need to start planning now. Yes. Things that people need to be doing is is one, number one, get out of debt. Even if it means downsizing your house, get out of debt because that's how they're going to control you. Mm -hmm. So if you have no debt, they have no handle. Okay. You need to, if you've got cash or investments, you need to diversify them. Mm -hmm. Put some into precious metals, put some into crypto, find -hmm. places to put that money. Because the other thing that we are looking at is probably massive global inflation. So if your money's sitting there in cash, uh, I mean, you, you could wake up a few months from now and find that it's worth half of what it is now. Well, that's the story we've heard. Probably most of us have heard about one uh, during World War II with the inflation in, in Germany that people have to bring a wheelbarrow full of money just to get a loaf of bread. And then, you know, yeah. people would rather take the wheelbarrow than this than all the money. Right. So it's hard for us to imagine currency devaluation. But when you see what's happening with the BRICS nations sort of. A de- uh, decoupling from the American dollar, and it, you know, maybe uh, if it's no longer the Federal Reserve, how will that play out with our Canadian dollar? Not good. So, yeah, I think you know, uh, I mean, we're obviously not giving financial advice, but having something you could barter, like honey, um, that stores well, very good, even alcohol. Yes. 
um, having a little bit of a, you know, I did in my book, which, you, you know, you have been reading the Thrive Protocol, I talk about in an emergency, grids down, what do you need? You need water more than anything. You need high quality water um, and you need, um, you know, supplements, not only Bill C-47, but if you, if you need, if you have medications you need, you should get at least six months supply if you can, uh, maybe even more if you can, if it stores. But you know, you, you need food and tradables. Like someone has something, and you can give them a couple jars of honey, or if you have some freeze dried food or whatever you have, um, I think it's it's a good opportunity to convert to hard assets. You know, I got yeah. a really good mountain bike um, when they had the passports, and I couldn't swim. You know, I couldn't believe I couldn't go swimming. I mean unbelievable so you know i took the lemons and turned it into lemonade i learned how to do fat biking that winter uh, that was uh 21 and i've never looked back i absolutely love uh you know mountain biking in the winter but then i bought a summer really good summer bike i wouldn't have spent so much money had i not realized what we're going into and it's worth having a good bike um you know things like that another thing that people can do is uh, I mean, and you're right, absolutely right about, you know, non-perishable food, water, vitamins, even just multivitamins. If, oh, if the diet is being quality. affected and you can't get a good broad range of foods, multivitamins can keep you healthy for a long time. Yes. But you can also start looking at developing skills or resources that you can trade. Um, oh, I've already, you know, I've, I've been a fitness nut my entire life. I was so ticked off when the gyms closed Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I thought that there was one business that should have refuse yes. stay and it's the one that allows people to be more resilient by staying in good shape so something i've already said i'm going to do because the last time I, I went and i built a body weight gym in my garage so mm-hmm. that i could keep working out but i've already said you know what I, I got a big two-car garage out there if they do this again i'm going to build a gym in my garage and i'm going to trade access to that gym to other people who have things that i need Absolutely. No, that is fantastic. Yeah, I bought um, all of these, um, these tools to make medicine and tinctures. Um, And I even did a workshop uh, to, you know, to make using white willow bark when I learned how toxic, how truly toxic Advil and Tylenol are. Um, So now we've now I can trade all these bottles of tincture and, and, and teach people how to do it. And I've got all the herbs, organic, wildcrafted herbs that I'm storing as well that I could trade in small amounts to people as well, because you add a little bit of, you know, um, high, high quality alcohol, it has to be a certain uh, amount, you know, I think 99 point, you know, some percent, uh, whatever that alcohol, and you can make high quality tinctures, all these tinctures to treat so many different chronic ailments. And those tinctures can last for years, years Mm -hmm. and years which is, that's, that's, you know, these are like little things you can learn. I know you've learned about uh, using, you know, uh, computer skills. Now that's something I'm, I'm not too strong at, but I've been learning a little bit. This might be the first podcast where I might be able to put my intro video on. I'm hoping if I figure it out. (laughs) So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, this is, this empowers people when you're learning. So that you are, number one, you're not as afraid when you're learning, when you have skills, when you, you're learning to survive. And then you're also building true community. Like we have gotten away from community in our materialistic living, forgetting the spirit and the soul and um, anything outside of our own selfish needs. You know, so we're getting back to truly, the, you know, Jesus' uh, simple expression of loving thy neighbor and learning how to be a community. 
I find, you know, I, I've never been in more involved with so many freedom groups and we're teaching each other, you know, how to and get along. I love that you just mentioned both, both community and um, confidence because I, not just an independent journalist. In fact, before I became a freedom fighter, I made my living as a web developer and I'm currently developing two new tools for people. And, and because I understand the globalist strategy that they're going to give us these breaks, well, we have to use those breaks to, to maximum advantage, to prepare tools for people so that they will have those things the next time we get hit. So the two things that I'm working on right now, first of all, I'm developing a new website called freedomcoms.org. It's the Freedom Communities and Communications Network. And this oh, site, right. which I expect to have completed in the next couple of months, is going to do two things. First, it's going to allow individuals to find other freedom-minded individuals in their area, but to do so securely and privately. So you can start building those in-person communities around you. Excellent. The second thing that it's going to do is it's going to allow all the freedom leaders, all the freedom communities across the country, and there's hundreds and hundreds of us now, to instantly communicate with each other. And this has been a major problem we've had to this day. Yes. Disseminating information is a challenge. I'll get an email from another freedom leader says, hey, we're doing this. And we were just talking about James Rogowski. Yes. And he emailed something to me. And yeah, we put it into our next newsletter. But that mm -hmm. could be days. Right. And there's action items where we need to be taking action now. Right. I so find that myself. It's very hard because I'm one person. I'm focusing on my riding because I am now, you know, politically motivated. I'll be running in the by-election. So I'm trying to help every organization in my riding to the best of my ability. So whether it's Sean Buckley's group and we're delivering postcards today with my team or it's the uh, Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom or we're delivering their pamphlets on the CB, you know, the digital ID and central bank digital currency or the 15-minute city or this or that, it's it it's overwhelming, you know, and piecing yeah. it together, plus going to different groups and trying to hearten them, teach them and empower them and teach them resilience. Like you, I'm, you know, I'm the first woman to get my black belt in uh, shoot wrestling in Canada. And more than anything, my nutrition or my business background is my sense of uh, toughness as a fighter. My resilience is what people really like and are inspired by when I'm teaching them to stand in the fight take the blows, you know, and what a tragedy about the, I don't know if you heard the story, the Toronto uh, principal who was bullied by um, yes. a student who was uh, totally indoctrinated with critical race theory and was calling him a white supremacist, all this horrific stuff when he was such a kind man. And unfortunately, he took it so personally, he took his life. What a tragedy. Uh, yes. We have to learn to, as I say, be like, you know, water off a duck's back because we know these people are, they don't understand what they're saying. They have been indoctrinated like a cult. And a lot of times just let it go. Just let yes. it go and keep speaking the truth. That's something that's really important for people. Don't take it personally. Don't take yes. it in. And that's and hard to do. Hard to do, but must be done, particularly now. Talking about that, that resilience and that confidence. That's the second thing that I'm going to be doing. As soon as freedomcoms.org is done, I'm going to be building a rights course at strongandfreecanada.org to teach people their rights under the constitution and the criminal code. Wow, a, excellent. There's a story behind this. Some of your viewers will be aware of Jody Ledgerwood. She's actually out yes. your way. Yes, I and know. And a oh video of Jody and her friends went viral a couple of years ago when they went to a food court. Oh, I saw it. Without social yes. distancing. Yes. And successfully defended their rights when they were approached by the mall cops and they sat there and they just calmly explained their rights. Eventually the mall cops gave up, went away. They called the police. The police came in 
Jody and her friends did exactly the same thing with them. Yes. Calmly explained their rights. And eventually the police gave up and went away. Now, if people know their rights, then they're able to defend their rights. And mm -hmm. this gets back to what you were talking about. Where you and I both have black belts. Mine is in karate. And, and it's a funny story. You know, I, I've, I've been a big muscular guy pretty much my entire life. And of course, you know, when you're a guy, you'd sometimes get into these confrontations with guys who are hostile. And I was always able to get them back down just by looking threatening. And, you know, they would back down and they would go away. And I'd walk away laughing, thinking that guy probably could have kicked my ass. I have no idea of how to fight. <laughs> I didn't start studying martial arts until my mid 40s. Wow. But when I did, when I got my black belt, by that point in time, I had had every possible attack that there could be thrown at me thousands of times on the sparring mat. Mm -hmm. And so now I don't worry about someone attacking me because right. I know what to do. And if yeah. people know their rights, they have that same confidence that when the henchmen for the bureaucracy come along mm -hmm. and threaten them, and they can sit there and calmly recite their rights and show these people that, you know, if you, if you arrest me, you're violating my rights. You're committing a crime, not me. Mm -hmm. And so this rights course is going to give people, it's going to be a completely free course. And oh, I'll hoping, take that. I'd really like to. Yeah. Yeah, by the time it's live, I'm hoping we're even going to have the money to advertise it on social media. Excellent. So that when, when they hit us again, we'll have hopefully tens of thousands of Canadians out there who know their rights. I love it. Well, listen, Will, can you tell people where they can reach you, how they can subscribe to um, sure. your newsletter and your site? I know you have a, a paid subscription for some people with incredible content. I'd love to talk to you another time about more diving into this transhuman agenda, but we've run out of time for today. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, some of the technology they're using, HARP and uh, some of the, the Wi-Fi because of... Uh, you know, new data that I've been able to listen to from some of the scientists. So let's reserve that for another day, because I know that's a really deep a rabbit hole, um, you know, and sort of turning people into human cyborgs is really what they're trying to do with this AI agenda. But where can people reach you um, for now? And then I'll, I'll circle back for another date in the fall, because I really enjoyed speaking with you. You've got a lot of great content for my audience, and I hope they can sign up for your um, site as well, because you're amazing sure. content. So if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, uh, when I was talking about freedomcoms.org and the rights course, you would go to strongandfreecanada.org and just sign up for our newsletter. If okay. you want to get access to my news content and my interviews, you'll find that at ironwillreport.com. Now we release a lot of free content and you can just sign up for our newsletter there, but there is also a great deal of members content and people can get a 15 day free trial without a credit card. Okay. So you can try it completely. Uh, free of, of money or of obligation for 15 days. Excellent. And if they decide to join, how much would it be per month? Like reasonable, I'm sure quite it's, reasonable. It's, it's $9.95 a month, or you can save 20% with $99 a year. Oh, that's that's phenomenal. And and well, by the way, folks, what we're doing with ironwillreport.com, that's not to enrich me. That money, those membership fees, those that supports our fight at Strong and Free Canada. Absolutely. Huge. Great investment. Absolutely. And, and for my audience, I will be on. Um, I'm very honored to be on 
um, Will show our uh, Isaac Iron Will report in a couple of weeks to take a deeper dive into this topic of resilience and going through some of the points in my book, some of the ways energy impacts us, how we can use energy to heal. I've been learning about tuning forks as well as Rife technology. So I'll go over all of that on your show. And hopefully it's a chance for people to get to know your show who don't know it already. Maybe they'll sign up and subscribe. So thank you so much, Will. It's been an, just been great talking to you. Have a great day and I look forward to talking to you in a few weeks. Take care. You as well, Tish. Thank you very much. Bye now.